to be honest. We just wanted to have a deep conversation and also the vibes are lazy and we didn't want to write out super detailed notes. So here is a raw candid conversation for you. Yeah, delivering on the candid conversation part of the bio. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of To Be Honest. I'm your host Amy. And I'm your host Grace. And today's topic is really random, but basically Grace and I just wanted to have like a good deep conversation mm-hmm. because if you listen to last week's episode, the To Be Honest was literally, okay, we had a really good unrecorded conversation, so we're going to try to replicate it for you today. Mm-hmm. But we realized that that doesn't work very well, so we thought that we'd just try to get it in one go. Yeah, and earlier I was trying to, like, explain that to Amy, and I was trying to say, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like your conversations are not as good when we try to replicate them on the podcast, but then halfway through my spiel, my my Discord time limit (laughs) went off, and I kept talking for a good, like, half a minute, and I finished, and there was just silence on the other side, (laughs) and the people-pleasery side of me was like, oh no, Amy didn't like what I just said, and then I looked down (laughs) on my phone, me grace excuse me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just chilling going like oh okay that works too <laughs> so basically this episode is just like kind of random discussions based off of prompts that we saw both um coming from amy's random thoughts folder in her phone and some of my <laughs> random thoughts and also from the school of life which is a site that amy found that has some really interesting articles but as we found out when we were reading the articles, um, most of them are kind of just explore one side of the topic. And so we kind of took the prompts as inspiration, um, read the article and like branched off with our own ideas on it. We're just using them as kind of a guideline for where we want the conversation to go. Mm-hmm. So first off, I wanted to start out with something I wrote out in my notes, mm-hmm. which is Grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, maybe we're too young to answer this one because I directed this towards my parents. Uh-huh. But Grace, do you still get excited about learning things? I know the answer to this. but <laughs> I mean, okay, here's the thing. I feel like I get very excited whenever I figure something out or figure out why something works. And I think that's mm-hmm. where the excitement slash love for learning kind of comes from. Because, like, there are times where our chemistry teacher teaches us something and, like, she kind of explains it, but then to me it doesn't, like, fully make sense why it works. And so I go on this wild Google goose chase to try and figure out the proof for why something has to be true. And then I figure it out and, like, the rest of the class is just silent, but I'm just sitting there, like, and I have this epiphany and I understand everything and I just feel so happy. Like, it's, like, pure joy from learning something and figuring out why it's true. And then, like, usually I just end up bugging my friend who's in chem with me, Emma, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, look at this really cool thing that I just found. But, like, I feel like for me, that's a really pure form of love for learning. And also, like, a difficult math problem or, like, any sort of difficult problem where you figure it out and you're you're just so happy, you know? Like, you're Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I figured it out. Like, this came from me. Like, I, I figured this out myself. Or, like, with a little bit of help, but, like, I brainstormed the solution. Smart queen. (laughs) Okay, yes, because I forgot exactly what set off this thought of mine, Mm -hmm. but I was thinking, like, once you get older, 
I feel like you would kind of lose that sense of excitement for learning. One, because you're not in school anymore and you don't really have as many opportunities or you're not forced to learn anymore. But another is because like when you're old and withered and you know everything about the world, I feel like everything you learn when you learn new things, it just fits without, it just fits within your realm of expectations, you know? Like when everything Ooh. around the world becomes really familiar to you. I guess this is related to the whole conversation about the loss of innocence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Pony boy. Um, <laughs> Stay golden. Do you get that reference? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. When you're young, everything is super new and then every time you learn something, you're like, wow, that's so cool. But as I've been getting older, I feel like now whenever I learn things, it's like, it makes sense. It makes too much sense. It's, it's just like, it's, oh, I expected it to go this way. Like it fits within what I think should happen. Mm. But okay, I I, well, I remember, I remember what set this off. I remember how utterly confused I was when I started learning chemistry. Mm-hmm. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. Like they're going on about all these random like protons, electrons. This was me in middle school, elementary school, I forgot, but, like, my, my family wanted me to learn in advance, and I was like, what is going on here? But, yeah, anyways, like, of course, eventually you learn as you just, like, go on with it, and then kind of just accept your own confusion, your own stupidity, and just, like, keep on reading, keep on, like, trying to start doing the questions and everything, and consulting the internet, then you start understanding it, but now, it's like, when I learn something, it makes too much sense. <laughs> It's like, I'm not so utterly confused at everything anymore, which is a good thing. But also, I'm just like, I'm old now. So that's why I was asking my parents and I was saying, do you guys still feel like you're learning new things? Like, do you still get excited over learning new things? Mm -hmm. Or does everything just like seem regular to you? You know? Yeah, that's a really good Mm -hmm. question. You know, that actually makes me think of a conversation that I was having with my math slash geometry teacher. And... One of the things is, like, he shows us some really cool things in geometry, and they take these pre-calculus mathematical relationships that we've learned, but it's, like, displayed in a whole different format. And sometimes it literally feels like magic. You're just like, oh my gosh, wait, how come, like, how does this work? This is so cool. And the way that he kind of explained it was after we had taken so much time, like, really delving into it and figuring out why everything is true, that sense of magic was kind of lost to Mm. the learning. So then it kind of just felt like you figure out too much of how everything works. Like, you know too well how the sausage is made. And it doesn't feel special (laughs) or magical anymore. I can see that. Yeah. And then, uh, we know that the world has an infinite number of things to learn. Like, no man is ever going to be able to understand everything mm-hmm. in the world. Um, but even so, I feel like once you get old, you just start stop being so excited or stop being so surprised when you learn about new things. I guess it's I can like, see huh, that. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But also, I want to add that my response at the beginning is coming from, like, those are the best moments of love for learning. It's not like every day it's like that. It's not like it's always like that. Like there are moments where something, I get shown something really cool and I'm like kind of excited about it. But then there's also like kind of just like a numb, empty feeling sometimes where it's just like, oh, this is mm-hmm. like a new fact. Like I don't want to set the expectation where um, you should always feel excited about learning new things because that's just not really how life goes. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. it's not like everything is perfect all of the time and especially as kind of idealistic type nine enneagram me coming out but um you you kind of want to put out like that 
paint that perfect world where everything is always in its best circumstance. But that's not always true. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I think we've discussed that one pretty well. Second question. Mm-hmm. Grace. Yes. You want a funeral, right? <laughs> I've. <Do> you? <laughs> it feels inappropriate to laugh <laughs> at that question. I'm sorry. But. I, it's not something that I've ever super thought about, you know? Okay, like, I would think I've, so, but you want one, right? I've always <laughs> just assumed that I would have one. <laughs> okay, that's right. Uh-huh. Why? Well, I feel Why like... Why do you want a funeral, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it'd be... I guess it'd be cool to know that people are commemorating your death and celebrating your life, I guess. Because mm-hmm. it feels like, it feels like it'd be the place to get closure. And this is interesting because it actually reminds me of a question that our good friend Zoe asked me once, which was, like, how, how do you want to die if you could choose? And it's, like, oh. a very morbid question. But, like, at the time, I remember my response was, like, if I knew that I was already getting older, then my, I guess, quote-unquote, ideal death would be, like, if I could help someone in the process, like, if I could save someone's life in the process. But, like, Mm -hmm. then she was, like, oh, well, like, I was just gonna say, like, surrounded by loved ones and family and friends. And, like, that made me realize, kind of, how, I guess, how important and how amazing it is to have that sort of support system. And even once you're gone, sort of knowing that there are people who will remember you and, like, remember kind of almost a legacy you left behind and, like, that they would care enough about you to kind of hold something that celebrates your life. Yeah. Okay, you touched on the thing that I ultimately wanted to get to was, Mm -hmm. like, legacy. Like, how important is that to you? (laughs) Yeah, that's something that we've been discussing a fair amount. Mm -hmm. But the question is, like, why do you want a funeral? Because you're dead, bro. It's like, you're not going to be able to experience it or anything. (laughs) But um, it's like, I think it's something uh, you keep in mind. I think we've discussed this before. Or maybe this was an English class. I don't know. But it's just, like, it's important that everyone is aware of their own mortality. Mm -hmm. Like, that you're going to die someday. And then that's one of the reasons why you should be conscious of the version of yourself you present to the world every day because mm. that's what's going to be left of yourself after you're gone, like that that picture of you in other people's minds. Mm-hmm. Um, your legacy, right? Yeah. But, bro, you're dead. <laughs> why do you want a funeral? <laughs> and that's the other part of it. It's like, what does it really matter? Because you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole question of, like, what do you want your legacy to look like? I feel like that's very different for different people. And it almost reminds mm-hmm. me of this one. If you were into Harry Potter at any time in your life, then you probably know about Pottermore. And if you know about Pottermore, you probably know about the Harry Potter Hogwarts sorting house test there. And pro- yeah, <laughs> one of the questions I remember so clearly is... Um, how how do you want people to remember you after you've like passed the world? And one of them was like, uh, think of you as someone who was like a really great person. One of them was miss you but smile. One of them was like think about all your accomplishments. And one of them was like I don't care what people think about once I'm dead. It's like what they think about while I'm alive <laughs> that matters. And that reminds me of what you were saying. How like what was what would that house be for? 
like that option before. I feel like Gryffindor. Yeah, okay. I was going to say the same. <laughs> Slytherin would be the accomplishment one, right? Mm. Like, uh, Hufflepuff might be the miss you and smile. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. What would Ravenclaw be, though? What was the other one? I can't remember. I think one of them was... You're a great person? Yeah. But that might Lame. not exactly be it. I could be wrong. This is just off okay, of memory from a wrong. couple years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm. But how would you yeah. want to be remembered, Amy? Okay. Well, okay, that's a bit of a different question. I think mm-hmm. that's more along the lines of, like, the identity thing. Like, if you listen to the past episodes, who you want to be in the future. Mm-hmm. That I think, like, your picture of who you want to be in the future is linked to what you want your legacy to be. Yes. So, for me, I want to be remembered as someone who was popular no not really popular in that sense but in the sense where I had a lot of people around me who I loved lots of friends and family Mm -hmm. um I would also be liked I would also like to be remembered as someone who like did at least a little bit of good in this world like Mm -hmm. pushed it a little bit more forward to the good side Mm -hmm. um yeah that's about it honestly someone who didn't die with any regrets that's more just, like, how I want to live my life. Yeah. But I don't want people to go, like, oh, such a shame that she died at such a young age. <laughs> Mozart. All of this. Yeah. But, yeah. oh, R.I.P. Mozart. And, and, but, but and then, Schubert. Like, tragedy struck. And yeah. Schubert. Don't. Okay. You know what? I think I'm safe because I'm not going into music. No. Smiley exactly. face. <laughs> well, Anyways, so what about you? How do you want to be remembered in the future, Grace? I think that's very similar. In a previous episode, we've talked about how... We often think of like changing people's lives as like a really big thing, but all of the people around you, like all of your friends and family, you've probably changed each other's lives in some way. And I want to kind of think of my legacy as, I want to think about the individual people who I've had the opportunity to meet in my lifetime and like be able to have made a good impact on their life and for them Mm. to be able to think of me as someone who was very genuine and someone who like someone who was trustworthy or just like a good friend or like a person you could count on um someone who would be there for them or like I like what Amy said I want to be able to do some good in the world Mm-hmm. yeah do you want people to cry at your funeral yes oh I don't well, know my answer is yes <laughs> I don't I don't okay I don't know <laughs> Would, would a measure of a successful life be the amount of people who cry at your funeral? But also... Like, amount of tears shed. Mm-hmm. But also, like, going mm-hmm. back to what you were saying about living life with no regrets, you don't want people to think of you as, like, you know, someone who could have lived such a... Like, could have could have done this, could have... Um, like, what ifs. And it feels like, to me, that even though, like, I totally get where you're coming from, but, like... I feel like a lot of grief comes from wishing that things were different, like wishing that you Ah. didn't die or like wishing that you had longer to live, wishing that they had the chance to do something with you that they didn't get to do. And I feel regret. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that might almost come from a place of regret. But, like, I feel like it's natural for people to cry about a death anyway. Like, no matter how full of a life that you've lived, 
I feel like people are always going to be like, I wish that you were here longer because you were such an amazing person. I wish I could have spent more time with you. And I think that that's like a really beautiful thing too, to be able to touch someone's life so much that they wish you were still there with them. I suppose so. Hmm. But then you're saying that people would cry more if they think that you lived a sad life rather than you lived like a good fulfilling life because then because then you're saying like if if you were uh say your mother (laughs) your mother like okay first example is like you were really really close to your mother you guys always did activities together you guys had the best time together you had a really good relationship Mm -hmm. second case is your mother was a really cool person but she had a lot of things going on in her life so she couldn't really live her life out to the fullest you guys might have had some financial issues so you couldn't go out and play as much but either way like she was a good person you respected her a lot and then suddenly she died which one would you cry more at their funeral Okay, as for, like, negative emotions, Mm -hmm. I think the second one more, because then you just, like, feel bad overall. But, like, as for tears, I feel like you would feel more sorrow if you were, like, thinking and being nostalgic over all the memories and everything. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like there's almost two factors that come into play, and one is how well you know the person, and second is, like, the regret slash, like, if they lived a fulfilling... I guess almost, because here's the thing, if you're thinking about two strangers, right? Like, even Mm -hmm. us learning about musical history, there's certain composers that lived really long, fulfilling life. They were able to have a lot of influence. They were able to compose all these amazing works, and they were able to meet a lot of people. They seemed like they had a really fulfilling life. And then there are other Mm -hmm. composers where, like, they had a really tragic life. They had a really tragic death. No one recognized any of their efforts. And you just, like, you feel like they had like you feel a lot of regret and grief there because you wish that there could have been more or like you wonder what it would have been like if they lived longer i disagree we meme on mozart (laughs) (laughs) we literally just made a joke about him earlier (laughs) okay no i get where you're coming from though but like i feel Uh, like also you bring up a really good point where how well you know someone is a big factor yeah because uh when you brought up the musician thing, that went in, like, a slightly different direction. I was thinking, like, Schubert Mozart lived really tragic lives, but, like, I don't really feel that sorrowful over their deaths either because I didn't know them. So, like, in the same sense, if you had, if you really knew someone, if you're really close to someone, of course you're going to cry more because you have, like, the emotional attachment and everything. Mm-hmm. But also probably yeah. because if you really knew someone, you'd have more, almost, like, more regrets or more sense of loss because they were a big part of your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, like, so you're probably thinking more of, like, what if we did more of this? Or, like, what if I said this? Or um, what if, like, I could have helped them stay longer? Or, like, you are more aware of your role in their life. And you're more aware of maybe everything that led up to this moment. So you're, like... That... Okay, wait, wait, wait. That brings up such an interesting discussion. Uh Because it's like, you feel responsible over that person's life, like, over their happiness in a sense I don't really like relate to that as much Mm -hmm. but that could be saying something about our personalities because Mm -hmm. you're saying like if someone died prematurely or something like that then you'd be really regretful and thinking about like all the different things you could have done and everything Mm -hmm. I I get that but also I don't think I would do that as much but then I think that goes to show like 
you, yeah, you take, you give yourself a certain amount of responsibility over, like, making that other person happy, like, making sure that they're going to live a better life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I really related to what you said. Because, like, mm. um, okay, I don't know if we're going to keep this in the pod. We might, we might not. But when my grandfather passed away, there was a lot of that. Like, that was mostly where the kind of like grief was coming from it was coming from a place like regret and not closure because he was in China and I was in Canada for most of my life I didn't get to spend that much time with him um I wish I could have gotten to know him better I wish I'd taken more opportunities to like video call with him more often or just like you know get to hear his life story because I feel like everyone has such amazing life stories to tell um yeah another similar another similar situation was like one of our classmates passed away prematurely. Um, she was still in elementary school at the time, and we were still in elementary school. But, like, I, she was, she was in my class for one year, and I wasn't super, super close to her, but, like, I did feel that sense of regret or, like, just, like, not closure there because I was, like, I, because she'd switched schools the year before mm. everything happened. So, like, I felt bad almost that I hadn't reached out to her and it was like it was like there wasn't a good sense of closure there you know and I was like thinking of what I could have done differently so yeah yeah like I might have to take back my own words because after you brought up the example of your grandpa I'm just like huh I did the same thing (laughs) like when my when my grandma passed away Mm -hmm. um I guess this can can illustrate the other point we were saying earlier too about how close you were to a person Mm -hmm. because like I where I didn't really know my grandma at all. I, I went to China, like, once. I I don't think I even remember meeting her, honestly. But it's like there was that sense of, gosh, I never got to know my dad's mom. Hmm. That's a little tragic. Yeah. And then, like, there there's basically no emotional connection there at all, which is really a shame. But, yeah, I... Like, most of my sadness did come from that sense of regret and, like, wishing that I could have gone closer to her in opposed to, like, feeling sad because we were really close because we weren't. Mm-hmm. And same thing with my with my rabbit. It's like, um, I loved Brony. <laughs> Anyways, but I, I, yeah, I also had this similar experience where that was, like, one of the first, my first experiences with grief. And I remember feeling really confused because... I, the majority of my grief, I think, came from uh, feeling regret because I don't think I was the best owner to her, honestly. Like, I, I didn't, like, take her out to play her that much, especially when she was older. Like, she spent a lot more time on her own since I was, like, I got a dog and I was, like, older and started caring more about school. But, like, I definitely did not give her, like, the most fulfilling life that she could have gotten. So then I was really regretful over that and I was like huh I'm sorry that uh you didn't live your best life under my care mm-hmm. and same sense like I guess there's the emotional connection aspect there too but mm-hmm. it's interesting <laughs> but the thing is like I started feeling guilty because after a while I kind of got over it <laughs> mm-hmm. because to be honest like at that point she wasn't a super big part of my life anyways. Like, of course, I'd take care of her. I'd visit her and everything. But it's like, 
uh, without her in my life, it wasn't like I was missing this big thing. Like if if my dog died, that would be emotional damage, strong emotional damage. Because <laughs> <laughs> every day I would come back from school and he's waiting there for me. And then like when I'm sad and could go down and pet him, I have an Instagram account with him. Like all my friends know him and we all call him like Spork, Fat Spork and everything. So <laughs> spork he is, death. Like, yeah, at one point, like my brother told me that my dog was 25% of my personality. So <laughs> that, yeah, that would be rough. <laughs> And I feel like you actually, that made me think of something, everything you were saying with Spark. It was kind of like um, the amount that, like, the absence that they leave is kind of the amount that you think about their loss, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, because Spark is a really big part of your life. And, like, if he wasn't there, like you said, there would be the absence of him running up to greet you when you come home from school. And I feel like the hole that that leaves Kind of like every time there's an absence of spark, you'll think about that loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's the kind of cliche um, message in funerals. It's like, every day I come to the kitchen and I think you're supposed to be standing there, but you're not. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to make me cry. No, literally. Like, um, I don't know if this is too personal, but I don't, I don't think he'll mind that much. But like, when my grandma died, my dad went back to China, but then my mom stayed back to take care of me and my brother. But she read us his, um, like, speech, I guess, and mm-hmm. translated it to English for us because I am terrible at Mando. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that made all of us sob at the kitchen table. Goddamn. Mm. <laughs> it was really sad. He had that cliche phrase in it. That's, that's, I remember that's what sent me, and I was like, oh. Yeah. And, yeah, this is sad now. <laughs> I This was recent, um, I forgot exactly what set it off, but I was having this whole moment where I was thinking about my grandparents and I was talking to my dad about it, and I was really regretful that, like, I wasn't close to them. Um, I've discussed this with, with Grace before, mm-hmm. but it's like, I, I grew up in Canada my entire life. I visited China maybe a total of, like, two times, and... Also, as as you all know, my my Mandarin is not very good, <laughs> so large uh, language barrier there. So I'm not close to my grandparents at all, and then I felt really bad about that because they're my parents' parents. Like that's a huge part of their lives, and they're a part of my life. And then also, like a lot of people, especially in Western cultures, are really close to their grandparents. Mm-hmm, like they're just your yeah. typical nice ladies. You visit their houses every weekend. They give you candies, baby food. <laughs> like, that's what I aspire to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's us in the future. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like, huh, I'm never really going to get that. And of course you can say that there's still time, but there is limited time, you know? Mm-hmm. And realistically, I'm probably not going to get to know them very well because there's there's kind of just like this lack of a relationship at this point because I haven't spent a lot of time with them and I probably won't get to spend a lot of time with them unless they come to live in Canada or I go to live in China. But even then, yeah, I think it'll be difficult. So yeah. I don't know. I, I remember just like realizing that and I started crying in front of my dad. I was like, hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a shame, but it's awkward too because like um i'm not sure how much you can relate to this um mm-hmm. but this was in a movie i watched a while ago called minari mm-hmm. and it's about this korean family and then they have to bring over the dad's mother so the kid's grandma mm-hmm. and then he goes through the entire ordeal that i really related to where like she comes over smells kind of weird and then like it does has all these like different 
cultural things that you're not really used to. Mm -hmm. So you don't like them very much as kids. You like you don't really understand anything. And mm-hmm. hopefully my grandparents never listen to this, but I kind of felt the same emotions when I saw them for the first time or like when my mom would call them and everything because I I didn't know them at all. And then I I don't know. Yeah, I was a stupid kid. <laughs> but it's like I didn't particularly want to get really close to them either. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah. agree. There definitely is that cultural and language barrier. And mm-hmm. also there's like the country barrier from like from <laughs> yeah, both literally. Amy and I cuz they're literally like halfway across the world. Time difference is a huge thing. Um mm-hmm. I can totally relate to what you were saying like I I get it. But what you were saying earlier reminded me of something else cuz I was just thinking like I thought back to this time a couple of years back where I had this sudden realization where I didn't think that I would ever be ready to say goodbye to my parents in that way and I like I feel like it's one of those thoughts that are obvious but once you like once it really sinks in it's kind of like no matter how much time we spend together how fulfilled um, our relationship or their lives are it'll be something where I'll always wish that I either did more or like wished for more time or just like something that I didn't think I could ever fully let go of or find closure in because you're gonna make me cry (laughs) because like they're that's true such a big part of my life and yeah like I could have always done more because like yeah Yeah. because like a list of priorities obviously we're students school's gonna be somewhere at the top and then a lot Mm -hmm. of the time because like my fam my parents are busy sometimes too like family time gets pushed to the side sometimes a lot of the times (laughs) yeah yeah that's really true it's like I'd hate to compare them to my dog spark but it is similar feeling where I'm like sure I'm going to be devastated over Spark and then same thing for them but like on a greater extent sorry Spark (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) I related to what you said like I never really thought about that I don't really want to either (laughs) yeah sorry for bringing it up it, no, it's okay. It's good. I need to emotionally prepare myself. <laughs> Although it's probably, it's going to be a long time away. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. yeah. Knock on wood. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's let's do a quick switch of topic. <laughs> switch of topic. Mm-hmm. All right. So, first, I would like to, I would like to share with the world, like, this revelation I had. So, um, if you're an IB, you'll know TOK. Um, if you're not an IB, don't worry about it. <laughs> Anyways, it's called Theory of Knowledge. And the whole course is basically just about knowledge and the different areas of knowledge and their interactions and everything, our methods of them, our me- methods of pursuing them. Um, mm-hmm. And then one of the things we look at is the different types of knowledge. So one type, there's like, there, there are fancy terms for this that I can't remember, but call it like set knowledge, rational mm-hmm. knowledge, like yes. mathematical mathematical knowledge, knowledge that exists without the presence of humans. Like mm-hmm. whether or not humans exist, like the laws of math or whatever or science are still going to stay the same. Mm-hmm. But there's also this like more emotional type of knowledge or this more like 
personal, experimental, vague, felt um, type of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I never really, really understood what that is. And I finally made a connection between that. And then, you know what, Grace, and I always say say about knowledge actually being like a feeling, Mm -hmm. being an emotion. Yeah. Um, Okay, this is kind of a long story, but I had one friend in English class who was asking me about happiness, and then she was, like, asking me to tell her about happiness, and I was telling her about happiness or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, so the question was, uh, what is happiness? (laughs) Okay, sure, what is happiness? And I was like, okay, first of all, your body needs to be happy, you need to have, like, the right mixture of chemicals and hormones in your body, um, and then second of all, you have to be, like, satisfied with your life, like, not feel discontent over the things you have, and she was like, okay, what does it mean to be satisfied with your life, and I'm just like, okay, so just, like, not always constantly wanting more, not feeling dissatisfied with what you have already, uh, like, not feeling like you're not achieving your full potential or something like that, mm-hmm. and she's like, okay, expand on that, and I'm just like, okay, for example, um, it's like not waking up every morning in your bed and then feeling dread before going to work because you hate your job and you hate your boss and then you wish you were doing something else and not coming home every night and wishing that you had more people around you, wishing that you had a family, wishing that you had a spouse or whatever mm-hmm. and not, yeah, not like having that sense of satisfaction in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's, then something clicked in me. I was like, oh, You see how we always need to illustrate ideas using examples? That's because, like, we can't understand these concepts unless we have, unless we're able to understand it in our own, like, personal experiences. So the Mm -hmm. thing that the example does for us is it helps us draw a connection between, like, the the idea that's just trying to be expressed, trying to be understood, Mm -hmm. and our own experiences, like, things we can draw from to connect the idea to ourselves so we can understand it and in that sense like that idea is essentially like a feeling you understand like mm-hmm. it, it's it's like a experience that you've had in your own life and then and then um even though the definition of that idea exists in like through words in the English language mm-hmm. and it exists like as a good definition you don't really understand it unless you've had that example and unless you're able to draw it to yourself exactly and it's almost like describing a color like how do you describe the color red well you give an example of a red object you know and other people who've seen that object can think about it and be like oh yeah yeah that's a red object (laughs) that's That's such a good example (laughs) but but if you've never seen red Mm -hmm, exactly you can't understand what red is exactly and like (sighs) grace you're so smart (laughs) Thank you. No, you're so smart. Because when you were saying that, you asked me, like, well, what do you think happiness is? And I was just like, oh my gosh. And like, I was just, I couldn't think of anything. (laughs) I was like, don't overthink it. And like, all I could think of were like moments where I felt happy. Like, for example, being surrounded by Mm -hmm. friends and laughing so hard that like your stomach hurts and like everything kind of hurts, but like you're just so happy and you can't stop laughing and you just feel so blessed in that moment to have like amazing people around you. Or like, when it's late in the night and you just finished a project and you're really proud of it and like you've just got that like inner sense of bliss sense of peace sense of satisfaction and like Mm -hmm. those are all moments of happiness and like once you think of once you know once I describe those moments um most people listening probably can think of similar moments that they've had in their lives yeah 
That makes a lot of sense. Mm. This is, again, like that feeling where you, you understand what a definition is saying, kind of, but you don't really get it until you get it, you know? Yeah. Until you've had an experience where you're just like, ah, that's the purpose of that. Mm-hmm. And like even mm-hmm. resonating with artwork, resonating with music, resonating with characters and stories. I feel like that all mm-hmm. comes from, I have a personal experience that's linked with that. And therefore that like touches me really strongly. Like mm-hmm. there was this one book that I read um, way back in middle school. And like in that book, the main character, her older brother who had like taken care of her all her life because their parents passed away when they were really young. Um, her older brother who had taken care of her all her life passed away. And like that sense of grief and then like all the flashbacks that she has to all of the memories they share together. Like that hit me really strongly because I had an older brother who I also like looked up to a lot and he also took care of me a lot when I was younger. And like stuff like that where something really resonates with you just because you've experienced it in your own life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, what is this, like, fourth question? Fifth question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Many questions. Okay, do you think all emotions are just chemical formulas or, like, a mixture of hormones and stuff? So an example is, like, can you induce the feeling of apprehension? Mm-hmm. Or does it? do you need to understand the context of what's happening? Like, does your brain actually need to be in that situation where you understand, like, stakes and whatever? And then your, like, cognition is doing whatever cognitive activities it does Mm -hmm. i i almost feel like you could induce apprehension or like any emotion that's like my instinct because i i think i've talked about this a little bit before but like Mm -hmm. last summer i had a period of time where i think my 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 i think my hormones just kind of went whack and so Mm -hmm. a lot of the time i was feeling really sad and really down and like really heavy and like, there was a lot of sadness, but, like, I didn't truly feel sad. Like, I was <laughs> I was just, like, randomly bursting into tears or just, like, feeling really heavy all the time. And But, like, it was – I wasn't actually sad. Like, I wasn't sure why I was crying or why I was feeling that way. But it, I feel like that was um, an example where it was purely a body thing. And I feel like – that might not be the exact same as genuinely feeling sadness. There's There was kind of like an empty, hollow confusion behind it where it was like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Like, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> but yeah, I think that in that sense, it is possible to feel an emotion without truly having the context behind it. And mm-hmm. I think also because... Here, here's something else that I thought about. You know how we all kind of go through different stages in our lives and like um, we have different mindsets. Like sometimes I'm in a really good mindset, like a really good, confident, positive mindset. And sometimes I'm feeling a little bit insecure and less confident and I'm in a less healthy mindset. And I can encounter the same situation, so the same context of the situation, and I could react to it differently depending on my mindset slash the hormones going on in my body, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I feel like because of that, my intuition is telling me that you could probably feel emotions without context or with very little context. Um, but I think that probably there is still a difference between truly feeling 
um, truly feeling apprehension because of a context versus just feeling like a sense of apprehension without the context. <laughs> yeah. Grace and I, we were actually discussing this beforehand and I had this thought afterwards where, okay, we went into the discussion about mm-hmm. um, sorrow, for example, where I asked, okay, if you really don't have anything to grieve over at all, but you just feel you've been injected with the chemical formula for sorrow and you just feel intense sorrow. But is it really the same when you don't have all these thoughts about when you're being nostalgic about moments you had with them in the past or say feeling regretful for not spending more time with them? Because I think when you don't have those thoughts, there's no way that's the same. Mm -hmm. Okay, but no, everything definitely boils down to the biological cause of it, right? You can't feel anything without your body doing something to you. (laughs) But the thing is, I think like when you, when your brain starts going off on its own and starts like reacting to that emotion, Mm -hmm. it creates like a different mixture of those emotions. So like Mm -hmm. for the sorrow thing, even if you injected a lot of sorrow, sorrow stuff, Mm -hmm. sorrow chemical into someone, Mm -hmm. then someone who would genuinely feel sorrow, like their brain would do weird stuff and then start like producing more sorrow, sorrow stuff. Mm-hmm. and more grief, and maybe, like, a little bit of regret feeling, and then a little bit of happy feeling, of happy feeling, uh, not because they're dead, because they're rem- reminded of all the great memories they had, um, but yeah, I think, like, the conclusion I came to was when your brain is actually involved, and you know what's happening, then it just, like, amplifies that feeling a little more, and makes it a little more complex than that just injection of sorrow. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the conclusion we've come to is that you can feel the emotion without necessarily understanding what's happening. But in order to get like the full, full experience, your brain needs to do like a more complicated thing. So I guess even if we wanted to get the more complicated thing, if they could like, if they could trace like the movements of whatever the thing does and then like inject it like as a cocktail, like do it all together at different timings or whatever, (laughs) then then they could really get it, right? (laughs) I don't oh know. my gosh, <laughs> this is what virtual reality is going to be like in the future. <laughs> okay, this this theory is widely unproven. Mm-hmm. I have an education that stops at <laughs> biology 12, <laughs> so I don't know this, if this is how it works, but this is how it works in my brain so far. <laughs> Fledgling theories happening yes. over here. Love future it. psychologist, researcher. <laughs> oh my gosh, Yeah. You'd be a great psychologist, Amy. I am considering going into psychology, but we will see where it takes me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited for you. Thanks. Okay, but here's like another conversation. Mm -hmm. If if you go to university Mm -hmm. solely for the purpose of pursuing your passion, if you if you embark on your life solely for the purpose of um, discovering and following your passion, Mm -hmm. then realistically like I should probably be going into psychology because that's one of the um areas of study that interests me the most but Mm -hmm. I'm not just going into university to study what I'm passionate about and neither do I really need to in in my opinion because I'm not a type 5 enneagram person it's like the thing that's most (laughs) important to me in my life is like being surrounded by people I love stuff like that it's not necessarily like waking up every day and getting super excited to do research because I don't know if I want to do research kind of don't like research (laughs) (laughs) so I would be happier I think doing 
a job that's more like surrounded with other people and then like a little more structured than research mm-hmm. sorry why am i why am i um roasting research research is great <laughs> research but yeah it's like great. i don't know it, it was a realization i had a while ago since i've always been raised in an academic environment right that mm-hmm. we're not all going to be scholars as a matter of fact like most of us probably are not going to be scholars mm-hmm. it's, in, it's an interesting thought yeah definitely and a little bit like of that erasure of that innocence as well because we always just thought like you're just going to go into what you're passionate about but no Part of it is you're going to go into whatever is going to get you into the job you want. Mm-hmm. And that's the quote-unquote smart decision to make. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like from our conversations, we've also been talking a lot about, you know, the job that allows us to live the lifestyle we want. And sometimes that just doesn't align with what we're really passionate about. And, like, I totally understand if it works out better for some people to just keep those things as a hobby. Um but oh my gosh before we spiral into another identity crisis because I feel like we could literally talk about this ever I'm just realizing that we've been recording for such a long time and this episode episode is is getting kind of long but we have a lot that we didn't talk about but we can also always say that for another episode Mm -hmm. yeah we didn't talk about any of the school School of life life stuff but I feel like we have enough content to make a second episode, like a part two. Yeah, part two. I like this episode, though. Me too. Yeah. Even if we didn't talk about the school of life stuff, I just liked going I, Yeah, I've been really just loving our conversations lately, you yeah. know? Yeah, even different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like kind of the deep conversations where we're just riffing off each other's ideas and then exploring yeah. a topic together and coming to our own conclusions about it so much fun yeah it's not even necessarily like a conversation for the sake of our self-improvement or anything Mm -hmm. it's literally just a conversation for the sake of conversation of like a good conversation of like just thinking about life conversation without the pressure of like english class teachers looking down at you yes um, or like is this really what you think about life it's kind (laughs) of just like whatever you think Yeah. Wait, I have a genuine question right before we end the podcast. Last question, Mm -hmm. because Amy's been asking all the questions, but I have one for you, Amy. Um, Yeah. How do these like deep conversations or like these conversations make you feel like, is it, do you feel excited about coming up with like different ideas to something or like sharing your thoughts to something do you feel heard or do you feel like invested because you're hearing someone else's thoughts on something do you feel I think they just make me feel good Good? (laughs) okay part of it is early high school when I was going through it all and kind of developing my identity like Mm -hmm. part of me developed a lot or attributed a lot of my identity to being a quote-unquote deep thinker like Mm -hmm. I think I started being a a bit more introspective and self-aware at Mm. an earlier age than some people so then that's something I took pride in so that's still like a part of my identity today so I do see myself as someone who loves deep conversation I could put that in a tinder profile someday (laughs) Um, but yeah there's that aspect but also beyond that it just feels nice to talk to someone about life and to not really converse for the sake of anything else other than just having a good conversation Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> on, on the articles we didn't touch on today, there's one called uh, The Art of Introspection. I forgot, mm-hmm. but it was about introspection. Yeah, and then it was saying that 
our the time that we're the most alive is the times when we're introspective when we're kind of on our own or just like talking to a friend and reflecting about our life it's not even though like the moments of being alive um are stereotypically like the times when you're having a lot of fun like imagining okay in my in my imagination it's like a dark night your affair with some friends you guys are all laughing and then suddenly you're hit with that feeling of like oh my god I'm so grateful to be alive like that's definitely part of the um joy of being alive but also Mm -hmm. beyond that like conversations like these being introspective just like having someone to talk to about life that's also a truly really beautiful part of life as well oh my my gosh I love that what about you? Give me your answer. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, yes. So the reason why I brought that up was because I suddenly thought, bring it around full circle. At the beginning of the podcast, Amy asked me about love for learning. And I feel like this is kind of almost a similar experience where um, listening to what Amy's saying and being able to sort out my own thoughts about something is kind of like the same feeling I get from learning something new or figuring out how something works because it's like almost Mm. figuring out how you know my life Life works works. or yeah or like the world around me works or like how I feel about something and it's it it just feels like euphoric almost where it's like oh I finally get it like this makes sense and um that to me is like a big part of what makes these conversations so enjoyable obviously also just getting to spend time with my bestie yeah your lovely bestie yeah (laughs) and also just feeling like super heard and feeling like my ideas and thoughts are valid and like valued and being able Mm -hmm. to share them with someone that I trust I guess because I feel like as someone who probably isn't as vulnerable okay definitely isn't as vulnerable (laughs) as amy is amy is like one of my main sources where i can be very vulnerable and she encourages me to be more vulnerable and so this is where i get a lot of my push for growth in that direction i think or like (laughs) practice talking about what's really on my mind or like practice being more open with people and that also for me is an amazing experience and just feeling really Aww. heard. So Aww, thanks for potting with cute. me. <laughs> thanks for potting with me too. Yeah. It was a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we didn't actually get to the school of life, stay tuned. There will be a second part. Yes? Yes, there will be a second part. <laughs> second part up next week. So in the meantime, we'd really like to thank you for listening to this episode. Um, If you have any feedback for this episode or any topics that you want us to discuss in a future episode, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram at tobehonestpod. Yeah, and as always, thank you so much for your support. It would help us a lot if you rate us on Apple Podcasts or share with any of your friends or family or rate us on Spotify. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you so much, and And we'll we'll see see you next week. week.